and welcome to another of our specials. The Oblong Desk Occasional Table is out again, and this time, Noakes and I are going to be looking at Mega Dance and Mega Dance 2. Noakes, what have you got for us on those? And hello. Hello. Yes, good to be back with our uh, occasional table in action once more. Yeah, so these are two um, single-disc compilations compiled by Ashley Abram that uh, are similar to the Mega Rave in that they mop up predominantly dance tracks from their respective periods. So let me give you some facts on the first one of these, which is called Mega Dance and has the subtitle The Power Zone for some reason. It says on the front there are 19 ultrasonic sounds on this in a cover that's very similar to Mega Rave, um, except it's orange. Uh, The circuit boards in the background and the slightly childish uh, child mascot uh, with his his rave whistle are still present and correct, goodness knows why. Uh, It was released on the 1st of March 1993, so that's before now 24. It didn't do brilliantly in the chart. It got to number two for one week in the compilation album chart. It's a similar format to the previous one in that they're mostly seven inch mixes but there are two 12 inch mixes on here uh, and there's also one song that's in remix form rather than the normal seven inch version but we'll come to that so as we slip into uh, mega dance track one is two unlimited no limit which you will have heard which you will have heard us talking about on a previous oblong desk so uh, the first one we're going to have a listen to is track two bizarre ink featuring angie brown and took my love. is track two on Mega Dance. It's Took My Love from Bizarre Inc. featuring Angie Brown. You'll notice the uh, pronunciation there in the uh, in the chart format of the time. You've got to say it like Bruno. You have. That's the law. He had a very unique way of getting around these things, isn't he? Um, all the requisite 1993 dance song elements are here as well. It, what sets it apart is the bass line because the bassline does some interesting chunky things and then you've obviously got angie brown's vocal and she is a master or mistress master are we gender neutral these days i, I think never we are tell. yeah i think we are yes okay so she is the master then of um this kind of uh, sort of for want of a better word screechy it's not screechy though, do you know what i mean yeah it's not screechy the way she does it but when other people do it it can sound screechy that very I can't do it, so I'm not even going to bother. But she's really good at that. And I think that as a result, Bizarre Ink stuff generally, and this in particular, really quite attractive. Yeah, it's it's different. Um, it has, as you say, got the requisite 93 sounds on it, but somehow very different from uh, I'm Gonna Get You and uh, the earlier rave stuff, obviously, because it's got Angie Brown on it. I mean, only got to number 19, this, which I think is um, a bit disappointing. Um, and then it was three years until they next had a hit, which also featured Angie Brown, the next few hits they had, though she didn't get a credit from then on. So it's almost like they saw what was going on with <laughs> with our old friend Carol Kenyon and thought, ah, oh, we don't need to credit her anymore. I suppose it gets a little bit, uh, a bit 
a little bit tedious to be saying all these names. I mean, you, you know, Lister, I do occasionally wander through today's contemporary pop charts, and I'm always amazed by the lists of people who now, you know, it takes nearly as long as the song to say who sung it sometimes. It does, and if you added the composers in as well, you'd be there for about a minute listing them all, probably. Far simpler is uh, track three, which is Sister Sledge. We Are Family, the Sure Is Pure remix edit. Which we've also covered on uh, our chat about Now 24, haven't we? So we can move on, that one. Um, Track four, um, ditto, because it's our old friend, she's not our friend, Lulu, with uh, Independence. But this is the CJ McIntosh radio mix, him out of loose ends, rather than the radio edit, um, the the standard seven-inch edit, I mean. Um, I couldn't tell much difference, if I'm honest. It's a little bit different, this remix, but I'm not quite sure why it needed to be included here, really. I imagine that Lulu said, I've done a dance remix, I should be on a dance album, crowbar me in. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about Track right. Track five, then, yes. Track five is West End featuring Sybil, The Love I Lost, which we've looked at. And so, to a new song to us and an artist who at the time was on a major record label but then had her major hits when she went to a smaller independent which is an unusual bit it's sandy b and feel like singing um or singing singing yeah yeah it's very typical david morale's glossy production this mix nothing special and it's not a patch on make the world go round but it's okay yeah, I mean, you you wouldn't really know it was the same person who did make the world go round later and had a hit with that. It's 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 extremely average for for a Dave Morales mix, and you can tell it's him because it's a deaf classic edit. Um, then uh, yeah, it's it's something of nothing really. It only made number sixty, and you can kind of see why really. I would say yeah, there's no sort of definitive hook. It's it's just you know it's on and it's in the background and never rises above a kind of, I don't know, four, five, possibly. There's nothing horrible mm, about it. Yeah, out of ten, I presume you mean, rather than five, yes. Yes, yes. <laughs> Just to clarify. Or, or uh, yes, I, I, my arbitrary scoring system does need <laughs> yeah. some kind of like parameters, doesn't it? Yeah, five out of a million. Well done. Track seven, then. Uh, that's Glowworm, and I Lift My Cup, the Spirit Divine edit. What was it they used to call this subgenre? Was it Deep House? Well, kind of. I mean, I I no, wouldn't put this in that bracket. It's desperately trying to be, isn't it? I mean, this is their other yeah. th- this is their other hit, the one that people don't remember. It got to number twenty, um, and then everyone probably remembers "Carry Me Home," which was a bigger hit the year after. And then, for no apparent reason, they re-released "I Lift My Cup" after that, and it didn't even get in the top forty. So that was a bit of a waste of time. Um, the thing is with Glowworm. Um, I like the songs. This one isn't as good as Carrying Me Home by by any means, but it, it's all right. But the production on the vocals is horrendous. It sounds like um, the guy singing is standing miles away from the microphone with several cushions in front of his face or something. It just sounds... I, I don't know how to describe it. Just really muffled and over-processed as if someone's not set up the microphones correctly. How very dare they? And I'm I'm not going to go too far down that road because uh, <laughs> those of you who are here back on desk one will know that I had a few issues which I've now sorted. It's okay. Uh, but yeah, 
they we have were in been, a professional studio. Yeah, we have been learning though as we go. So there you yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Um I, I just thought when I listened to this, not much of a tune. There's no real you know there's there's a lot of thumping and banging um in a reasonably dancey way. It's not offensive, but there's just no there's no hook. And I think when we come to track eight, that will help to sort of explain what I'm talking about. Because track eight is out of space, the prodigy. And that's it's just another example. There are many of why the prodigy are a cut above other dance acts. It manages to be quirky and fun at the same time as being completely credible and cool. So you've got this novelty and serious at the same time, a mark of genius. And I think we should all pay close attention. Very good. Uh, yes, it, Thanks. It, it is a classic of its of its time. I think it's one of the finest Prodigy tracks released back in November. So quite why it took so long to appear on an Ashley Abram compilation, I'm not quite sure. Um, have you heard the song that the sample is taken from? The vocal sample. Oh, many years ago. Yeah, it's called. Who was it? It's called "Chase the Devil" by Max Romeo in the Upsetters. Now, I only recently got a copy of that on a reggae compilation, and it's a fantastic track. The original is well worth checking out. Uh, it's all about how he's going to um, kick the devil into space or something. It's um, it's about as bonkers as you'd expect of an old reggae tune, and uh, well worth listening to. You can see why uh, the prodigy picked it up because it is a, it's a cracking sample that. And speaking of other versions of this that are knocking about, there is a remarkable one by the Mandolin Orchestra of Ljubljana, <laughs> which needs to be watched to be believed, mainly for the fact that the orchestra themselves are, shall we say, of a certain age ah. that you wouldn't expect to be... Um, well, I mean, you wouldn't expect this to be played on mandolins for a start, but then you wouldn't expect sort of people, shall we say, in the twilight of their years to be hammering out a prodigy classic. But, you know, it takes all sorts and it's really good. So have a listen. I will go and check that out then, definitely. <laughs> It's Oblong Desk's occasional table, and we're looking at the moment at the Mega Dance CD compilation. Uh, we've reached track nine, which uh, we talked about on previous desks. It's Shaggy's O Carolina. Track 10 is the Stereo MCs, and a track that I wasn't aware of before called Everything. Yeah, it's a weird one, this. It's the Sabres on Main Street mix. This is one of the two 12-inch um, extended versions that feature on this album. And the reason you probably don't know anything about it is it actually featured on the ground-level single, well, on certain formats of the single. Um, the mix is by Andy Weatherall. If you ever see Sabres in the um, mix title, that's to do with Sabres of Paradise, which is one of his aliases. Um, so it was only ever a 12-inch release really and not even a single in its own right but a bit strange that ground level isn't here but we will come to that a bit later um i i guess it was just a, a decision to just put something a bit left field in here um not actually left field but uh, you know what i mean um <laughs> since we're talking mean. dance tracks and it's actually quite a good mix uh this i i didn't expect to enjoy it i thought oh it's gonna be one of those i'm just gonna skip through but I found myself listening to quite a lot of this. I thought it was quite good. 
Yeah, I would tend to agree with you. I think it's really got quite an excellent groove on there. I prefer it to ground level, to be honest. And there's a bit of flute in there as well. It's maybe not a catchy enough chorus to no. sort of propel it to the heights of some of their other work. But yeah, it's a very pleasant sound. And uh, I, I, like you, I enjoyed listening to it. Uh, we've had a look at track 11, 12, 13 already. They are in order. Arrested Development, Mr. Wendell. East 17's Deep is track 12, and track 13 is The Beloved and Sweet Harmony, but slightly different. Yes, it is. Um, out of those tracks, Deep is absolutely definitely the 7-inch mix. Arrested Development claims to be the full-length mix. Uh, I couldn't tell any difference between that and the 7-inch mix, so I'm not convinced it is. The other 12-inch mix is absolutely definitely Sweet Harmony, which is uh, the Live the Dream mix. goes on for about 7 minutes. And, you know, it's pleasant enough it's it was quite a long song anyway so it's only adding a couple of minutes to it it's a pretty standard 12 inch mix in that it is literally just an extended version of the the single which is absolutely fine marvelous uh shall we then play something which uh, is quite interesting and quite different it's the grid it's track 14 crystal clear That is track 14 on Megadance. It's crystal clear, and that is by The Grid. It's the Prankster Profit mix. And this was a real URN favourite. After a few attempts, it was actually their first hit. Only got to number 27, but you wouldn't know it from the amount of airplay it got on URN at the time. I know I was hammering it to death. It is a fantastic dance track. I really uh, imagine it now and we didn't know then but you can sort of imagine this being used on a bbc news countdown to their tech program (laughs) yes it's got that kind of tempo and rhythm and uh, as we know the bbc news theme is incredibly popular and so this follows in that sort of genre the uh, justin robertson remix he is the uh, prankster prophet uh, he peps it up a bit with some funky sax going on in there as well which i quite liked uh, overall a welcome addition to this uh, album i think yeah, and I remember buying this for you, Aaron. It was in the period when I was buying the records, and I, I couldn't find the 7-inch. Um, I think singles had started to become more scarce in terms of 7-inch vinyl. Pretty sure this didn't come out in 7-inch. I think it was just CD and 12. Couldn't get hold of the CD, so I had to get the 12-inch, and we were playing the longer version. And actually, the extended mix is really good as well. Um, I would say that probably could have been on here as a 12 inch version and that would have been perfectly fine although we'd have had to lose another track i guess um but yeah it's good yeah i think that's one of the interesting things about these uh compilations these dance compilations that i would almost level a criticism at uh mr abram dare i do that is that he does tend to stick with shorter versions, whereas you would think this allows him the opportunity, the scope of it not being a main now album, 
to maybe experiment a little bit more with some different mixes. They start to here, but you know, more yeah. twelve inches would have been more interesting. Yeah, I agree. I mean, there's there's very little space free on this CD. I think it's packed to within a couple of minutes of its capacity, which is not something you can say of the other two in this series, actually. Um, but I would certainly have been tempted to lose a track. Probably one of the songs that's on now 24 would make sense i mean i can see no limit being on here that makes sense shaggy doesn't really fit in i don't think i would have lost shaggy and that gives you an extra three minutes to put the full length version of the grid on that's what i would have done but you know um maybe he was told you can only have two 12 inch mixes per album but we'll we'll come back to that when we talk about the next one yeah, let's move on to track 15 then, which is Heaven 17's We Don't Need This Fascist Groove Thang. It's another Thang. Rapino edit. Yeah. Originally it was Thing, wasn't it? it uh, no, no, when, it was always the, Thang. The, no, it, it was always was Thang. Was it always Thang? I thought oh, it maybe was. I just mentally, maybe I just mentally brushed that from my mind. Oh, you might be right. Um, I'll tell you what, listeners can research that. Is it Thing or Thang on the original one? It's definitely Thang on here. And again, it's one of those ones that Heaven 17's remix thing that they were doing in the early 90s just works again yeah i mean it's um it's rapino brothers who were behind rapination not surprisingly who we've already talked about um on one of our previous shows and um yeah it's from their higher and higher best of which had some remixes but predominantly original songs on so there was a, it wasn't a remix project as such um i'd say this is a good choice of song to remix because it already sounded like a dance track in its original form really um but this remix only got to number 40 that's better than the original though which just missed the top 40 all of their early singles didn't chart um so yeah i think it's a good remix it it doesn't do anything stunning with it but um it just dances it up a bit and that's perfectly fine yeah yeah uh track 16 then uh that's inner city and till we meet again the brothers in rhythm edit and as soon as you hear brothers in rhythm on the title of a song you know that you're in for some quality work this is a slightly more laid back version of inner city than usual uh and, and, and it's kind of pleasant, if unremarkable. Yeah, I mean, it's off it's off the Praise album, which has um, things like Hallelujah on it and some slightly slower-paced songs as well. Um, this one, I don't think, is one of Brothers in Rhythm's finest remixes. It doesn't quite do it for me. The original version of this was released um, and got to number 47. This remix only got to number 55 and I'd say that's probably about right. I mean it was never one of their very best singles. The remix doesn't really do anything for me I'm afraid. Um, so yeah, a bit of a bit of a missed opportunity I would call that. Yeah, I mean it, it's no good life by any stretch of the imagination and that's sort of where Inner City were at their best I think. Whereas as I say, this one, it just, again, like some of the other tracks on this album, it's got that kind of, this is okay, and I wouldn't turn it off if I was listening to this as a as a dance album, just shove it on in the background. It's not a turn-off track by any stretch no. of the imagination. I think, though, we're about to disagree violently on whether the next one is. Let's play a bit of track 17. It's Fargetta and Anne-Marie Smith with music. Oh. Oh, hey, hey. Oh, oh, oh. 
It's Oblong Desk's occasional table and we are reviewing the two Megadance albums that came out early in 93. Uh, we're on the first one and we're getting towards the end. Track 17, you just heard music from Fargetta and Anne-Marie Smith, an Italian dance track, a John Miles cover of all things and a number 34 hit. Surprisingly small considering how well this kind of stuff was doing in the charts at the time. I've likened John Miles's version of this to a GCSE project where you have to demonstrate every style you know in about five minutes. And whilst there are bits of it that I really like, there are other bits of it where I think, well, that needs editing out because it makes no sense in the context of it. So this one does at least do that. It edits out quite a lot of the waffly bits. But what we're left with, for me, doesn't work at all. You've got the whaley vocals and you've got a very cheesy backing track. So if this were a GCSE project, I'd give it C- and then I'd dock them more points for plagiarising. <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> well, it, you know, it's Italian dance music. I am predisposed to like it. It isn't one of the finest examples of that genre, having said that. I mean, I like the John Miles original more than you do. Um, I don't think it's a complete outrage, this cover. I think, as you say, they've, they've done a good job of editing what was a six-minute-long track down to about three and a half for this um, single edit. Uh, but Anne-Marie Smith, um, you kind of touched on this, she's no Angie Brown, is she? She's um, she's not quite got the same quality. Um, she did turn up on a few other um, Italian house songs. She did a couple with Capella, I think. Um, well, who didn't, really, at some point or other turn up with Capella? Well, indeed. Oh, well, I didn't. They never asked me. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's not brilliant. It's just okay. I am... So mortally offended by bits of this, and it's it is actually mainly the the cheesy backing uh, that I'm just never going to be a fan. However, from the darkness, let us step into what is very much the light with track 18. on Megadance you've just heard a little bit of it that was Saint-Étienne You're in a Bad Way at the time a big hit by their standards number 12 and the sainted Alan Tarney produced that remix the album version is um, markedly inferior to that single edit and it is blooming marvellous it's our London underground friends and they're back with a perfect piece of 60s tinged pop uh, simply nothing but perfection from start to end and you're right mr tarney has just added that little bit of pixie dust to an already marvelous song and i challenge anyone to listen to this and not be significantly happier at the end because it is just simply gorgeous yeah, it is one of those happy songs, isn't it? I mean, at the time, I think I was playing a bit of Devil's Advocate and going, oh, well, it's a big hit. Now they're having big hits. They're not going to be as good again. And I think I was a bit 
I never disliked it, but I don't think I liked it then as much as I do now, if anything. Um, goodness knows what I was thinking. Um, but certainly it was another URM favourite. Um, I think it was top three in our chart from from recollection. Um, and it's, it has stood up really well. I mean, we said, didn't we, why isn't this on Now24? Well, the answer, presumably, is because it was reserved by Mr Abram for this compilation. It's arguable whether it sits in with the other dance stuff. It's more pop than dance possibly but you know it's nice to have it on here at least it's very very good that it's not been ignored um but you're right it should be on a main now album i think and i think one of the reasons we loved it at urn is because if you say the title in a certain way you can manage to shoehorn the name of the radio station in there and go steady and singing urn a bad way yes and didn't we just That's do that? That's not why they recorded it, though. No, very much isn't. Um, speaking of things that uh, probably weren't meant to happen on the airwaves, we come to the last track on Mega Dance, which is the Paul Gotel uh, remix of Madness, Night Boat to Cairo. I have absolutely no idea why this happened. I mean, it's not the most obvious track to remix in the first place, in case you don't recognise it straight away. It was on the EP, the Work, Rest and Play EP, that got to number six for Madness in 1980. It was a new song when this compilation came out, so I guess from Mr Abrams' point of view, he might have thought, oh, OK, it's Madness, it'll probably be a hit. Uh, it wasn't. It got to number 56, and that's probably about 50 places higher than it should have got to, I would argue. Well, I'm just not sure what it's trying to achieve. I mean, the original is perfectly danceable to in that madness style, which maybe doesn't work at every disco. There's some Middle Eastern influences, uh, and then there's a dubstep type backing, and they don't really work together. And overall, it's sort of it's sort of Radio Three interesting. You know, you put like Radio Three on and go what the hell is this and, and, and almost like a car crash you are drawn to it for about 30 seconds uh, but then after that you just start craving the proper version again uh, and yes it's it's not a brilliant way to end mega dance the first no it isn't it, it very much is one of those where you're listening and thinking oh it's going to kick in in a minute it's going to kick in now and it doesn't absolutely not though yeah i i think it was just one of those they, they put it on as a punt thought oh, it'll probably be a hit madness of course being a virgin emi artist as well kind of makes sense i can see why it's here but um yeah a bit of a wasted track 19 that so as it doesn't kick in let's kick it out and instead let's swap into our cd player mega dance 2 yeah and here's some more facts about this one. It's Megadance 2. This is called The Energy Zone, and it says 18 power plays, which would have been a better subtitle for the first one, given that it was the power zone, but someone's missed a trick there. Um, it's another very similar cover. We've got light blue this time, but the circuit boards are kind of there. Not so much. It's more of a checkerboard cover. And yes, Rave Kid is present and correct, waving his arms in the air like he just doesn't care. Uh, there's plenty of space for another couple of tracks on this. It's a bit stingy on runtime, this CD. Um, and also, no 12-inch mix is on here 
at all, which is odd. It's almost like they were going for a format change. It was released on the 5th of April 93. That was just before Now 24 came out. The chart performance on this one, uh, even worse than the previous one, number three for two weeks. So that's how it did. And that may be why we never got another one, perhaps. So our entire Oblong Desk's occasional table is devoted to an entire series from beginning to end. Yes, all three of yes, them. Yes, we'll probably put on the posters, I imagine. Anyway, track one, uh, we've had a look at already, and that's Arrested Developments, Tennessee. Moni Loves Born to Breed uh, is also one we've covered, as is Robin S and Show Me Love. Continuing theme, track four is Sybil, When I'm Good and Ready. And track five is the first one that we're going to have a listen to. It is Sister Sledge, Lost in Music. on Megadance 2 is Sister Sledge and the Sure Is Pure remix of Lost in Music the second Sure Is Pure Sister Sledge remix and the better one what I like about this is it really beefs up the intro but it doesn't mess around with the rest of the track too much yeah there's a faithfulness to these and like you say a, a kind of sympathy with the originals that I think does them a lot of credit I personally prefer Lost in Music as well anyway to We Are Family it's nice I, I sometimes wonder whether you need all these remixes and all this going back sort of 20 odd years or 15 years or whatever it is to dig up a track and then just kind of pep it up but if it works why not and you are then introducing a new audience potentially to some classic songs yeah i'd agree in a way they can handle yeah and uh, i'm pretty sure that whichever sister sledge best of it was that was out at the time would have had the originals on anyway so if you want to hear the originals then you know you had that option i guess track six is the remix of hue and cry's labor of love and yes it is actually the remix they put the right version on this time um it's not a great remix though it has to be said it's a little bit all over the place add some vocals in she loves me she loves me not um or he loves me he loves me not whichever it is i can't remember that's how much i care for this remix i not very much yeah it didn't need doing it's it's kind of the opposite of the previous track it's one that doesn't seem to add anything sympathetically it just seems to almost by numbers let's throw a few 1990s things at it and see if it sticks and it doesn't really uh, track seven is snap with exterminate uh, we've had a look at that one before so instead on to track eight i believe in you the euphoric edit from our tribe
That's I Believe in You, which occasionally has euphorically in brackets after it. Uh, that was our tribe, and that is track eight on Mega Dance 2. It's a prototype faithless, this, in many ways, because Rollo is behind this one. It was almost a hit as it got to number 42, and deserved to be a hit, if you ask me. The previous single had been released as One Tribe. The next one was OT Quartet, which was a hit. Hold that sucker down, you probably remember that. Uh, Then he went back to Our Tribe, and then One Tribe. And as if that isn't confusing enough, uh, in the early to mid-90s, he also had hits as Rollo Goes Camping and Rollo Goes Mystic. Oh, and there was Rollo Goes Spiritual as well. It's no wonder, really, is it, that he just pushed all this aside and thought, I think I'll just carry on with Faithless now. Quite like Accor Hotels and their many, many brands, which are all basically fundamentally a box with a shower and a bed in it. Anyway, uh, this track's quite good, I think. It's it's repetitive, high-energy rave. That's how I'm going to categorise it in my many genres of dance. And it's definitely a main room banger. Possibly doesn't have all those elements that make a real classic. But yeah, you can see where it's coming from and where it's going to. There are elements in there that make it sound like there could be something in all of this somewhere but it's not this one no and um all of the ones up to ot quartet i think had the elements of a hit but as you say not quite all in one place necessarily you can see why uh, hold that sucker down was the first one that got in the top 40 well twice actually because it was re-released and this one i like it but it is probably correctly not a massive hit but given the kind of stuff that was in the chart at the time i i think it deserved a to sneak into the top 40 let's say we've reached track nine which we've played before yusura open your mind uh, so on to track 10 then and have a look at that one too it's Capella, you got to know but this one is the a la carte paris mix edit it's exactly the same it's not sub- I was going to say, it's not substantially different from the uh, radio edit, is it? Uh, Track 11, Sub Sub featuring Melanie Williams, Ain't No Love, Ain't No Use, quality song, which we've uh, talked about before, as is track 12, Rapination and Kim Mazel with Love Me The Right Way. Track 13 is Heaven 17. He won't play them as track 17, will he, no matter matter what circumstance. (laughs) Uh, This one is uh, Penthouse and Pavement, the Tommy D's master edit. Yeah, it's um, strangely not on the hits collection that I talked about earlier, Higher and Higher, that had the first two uh, modern remixes of old Heaven 17 tracks. Why this wasn't on it, um, I don't really know. But then again, I do, because it's not that great. It got to number 54 in the chart, three places higher than the original. This is another one where the original version didn't do particularly well. There were so many better songs they could have chosen if they wanted a third remix of an old song. Play to Win, Crushed by the Wheels of Industry, something like that. Um, it's just it's not, a, not their finest song in the first place. Um, and the remix just doesn't do anything for me. It's probably on here because it was a pre-release track, so it hadn't come out at the time of the compilation. Presumably they thought, well, the other two were hits, albeit the second one only just, so this probably will be as well. I would echo my earlier thoughts on Heaven 17. It, I think this reboot is an improvement on the original, and I think it's mainly because Heaven 17's tracks are inherently, whatever equipment they were using back in the 80s, the equipment that was available in the 90s 
for electronic music was that much better and was able to make a kind of better sound for them. So I think almost all of the stuff that got remixed sounds better as a result of it. Track 14 then is Key West featuring Eric and looks like I'm in love again. It's a stock Waterman production, this one. Matt Aitken had um, (laughs) found the door by then, apparently. Uh, Another pre-release track and another bad punt, because this only got to number 46, and it's nothing special, I would say. It's very much got that PWL feel to it, doesn't it? Uh, those those seventy soul touches that Pete Waterman has kind of like vaguely found on his little shelf of things he pulls out and throws into songs when he needs to quickly have something released. You can hear the joins in this, and you can hear the numbers being crunched as he formulaically pops out another hit. I literally, it could have been anybody singing it. And maybe if he had got one of his more major recognised artists. I mean, who is Eric? Eric Backer? Well, Eric Eric is a lady. Flat Eric. Isn't that right? Exactly. It's a female vocal. It's someone called Eric, admittedly with a K, um, instead of a C. But it's a bit odd. Um, I, I do wonder if it's not the most showbiz name in the world, to say the least, um, and that may have put people off. I mean, they could have just put Key West featuring Sonia, and it probably would have sold a few more, even though it's clearly not her singing. Or is it? Well, we don't know, do we? It doesn't really matter, does it? No. Uh, it's, it, it is your classic... Pete needs a new train, and how's he going to pay for it? Let's just throw something out and hope. And if I throw enough stuff out with that stock Aiken and Waterman production and the 70s stuff there to remind people of old dance music in the past, which was clearly better, and enough of it will stick, and it's cheap enough to make much better, track 15 for stereo MCs and the aforementioned ground level. Yeah, finally made it, so they uh, decided not to put this on the first Mega Dance. Here it is, a little bit late to the party. Uh, it's number 19, it's a hit, this one. Um, very underrated, I think. I think it does fly under the radar. I mean, I wouldn't say it's their best song either, but um, it's a perfectly decent snapshot of the time, and I think it says a lot about their other singles that this one was arguably the weakest it depends what you think of uh, the next one along really i'd say it's certainly not as good as the first two but then i've probably heard step it up so much that i'd rather listen to ground level to be honest it's a bit more low-key than most things that they did and for me it lacks a certain je ne sais quoi maybe it's a strong hook or maybe it's something interesting happening in the melody that just doesn't do it here so i don't think it's particularly strong at all yeah, the chorus is a bit is a bit kind of subdued. I know what you mean. Particularly when you compare it to things like Connected and yeah. Step It Up, where the chorus and the vibe is so strong. When they back it off a bit, you kind of like, oh, what's left? Come on, do do that thing again. And they and they just don't do it. Um, that cannot be said though. Of our next track, track sixteen, we are going to hear a little of. It's Fluke and Slid.
It's Oblong Desk's occasional table. We are reviewing Mega Dance 2 currently. We've got track 16. You just heard some of it. It was Fluke with Slid, and this was another URM favourite. I playlisted this. I made this an A-list song. So naturally, it was a number 59 smash. I think in this case, you were right and they were wrong. Uh, to me, it sounds a bit like Yellow's Oh Yeah meets the grid's swamp thing and it's kind of not as good as either of them but they are such solid quality tracks that there's enough to make this really quite listenable to and quite good as well obviously it's uh, it predates one of them and postdates the other one. so so it it unwittingly copied swamp thing in a kind of before it happened type way yeah, I can see that. I think it's also slightly reminiscent of Underworld, particularly in the vocals, I would say. Um, the vocals probably not the strongest part of the track, um, but they did have hits later on in the 90s. You may recall they were nearly always one-word titles, their singles. Um, there was Bullet, um, as would undoubtedly have been said, and uh, there were some others as well that I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, but the first few didn't get in the top 40. Um, I think this should have done. Um, that's why I listed it, clearly. I thought it, it had a chance. Um, and I still like it, actually. It's not the, the most exciting thong. Uh, thong? <laughs> it's not the most exciting thing on here, but it's perfectly decent. Having not played it for the last 27 years, I popped it on the other day and, yeah, I was instantly going, you know, this is a lot better than some of the other things that I have been listening to in the meantime. So, uh, more fool me. Um, Yeah, I enjoyed it more than I was expecting to. Shall we have a disagreement now? I think we're about to. Are we? Track 17, I think we are. Apache Indians, Chock There. Mm -hmm. Which I like you do ah and you don't i don't no well i it was a hit um unlike some on this album as we've already found out a number 30 this one follow up to the much better in my opinion arranged marriage which probably should have been on the first mega dance or even mega rave before that i'm not sure why that got forgotten about and this one gets included here um because it's it doesn't do much for me it just doesn't really go anywhere but um i'll let you defend it because i haven't got that much to say about it really i like it for two reasons first i think this was pretty much the first mainstream exposure to bangra and that kind of style of music um and fair play to apache indian for blazing the trail in that respect and bringing us something slightly different to the dance floor i also think it's got a really good vibe to it and i can still stick on this and as you say arrange marriage and indeed even boom shackalack which wasn't quite in the same genre but still the only thing against it is that i now cannot hear the word ragamuffin without thinking of zig and zag <laughs> off of the big breakfast <laughs> and apache indian does have for better or worse a slightly similar delivery to uh, i think it was zag wasn't it yes yes yeah it was yes yes they they do sound a little similar (laughs) i know what you mean and of course he always claimed that he sold loads of copies of his records apache indian this is not not zig and zag um in uh, the local area which is uh, not far from where i live in in birmingham is where he comes from um but they weren't eligible for the charts so therefore you know he could never get to number one because a lot of them weren't uh, being counted whether that's true or not i've absolutely no idea i suspect it probably wouldn't have made much difference 
I wonder where he was selling them. Possibly not through a recognised shop. Maybe it had something to do with the back of a small van. Or Bullring Market, I suspect. Um, yeah. So, um, from Apache... But in- people can hear their music where they want to. They can. They don't have to follow the mainstream. Well done. Yes. Well done. So, from Apache Indian, we are on to the last track already, blimey. Track 18 is Mark's Man and All About Eve. Now, Bruce was a con man, thought of as a gent. The con, even your girl says it's heaven sent. But if heaven sent is spending all compassion, save me hell away from those who do be bashing. It's all about Eve. Long Desk's Occasional Table and we've just played you the final track on Mega Dance 2 it's Marksman with All About Eve which would have confused a stupid person if they were a DJ because obviously <laughs> All About Eve exists as both an artist and a title now and Marksman you know could well be a track I'm sure it tripped some people up you know if they hadn't been listening to which some DJs allegedly don't listen to an awful yeah, lot of the music they play yeah. at the time I know what you mean so uh Having got this the right way round, uh, I reckon it's it's some chatty rap and then a passable chorus. And I didn't mind it, but as I was listening to this on YouTube uh, the other day, uh, on the uh, You Should Be Listening to This Next, John, it said, do you want to listen to something called the Bielsa Rhapsody, which was an amusing reworking of Queen as an homage to uh, Marcelo Bielsa, the mighty, mighty god of Leeds. Uh, So I did, in fact, listen to that for far longer than I listened to Marksman, which is an indication of my slightly skewed musical needs (laughs) at that point. Uh, But also a lot of these tracks that we've played and that we've talked about today have not done brilliantly in the charts. And I think as a result of them being sort of okay, and if you've got to fill an evening in a nightclub with some songs, then these are the kind of things that are going to get played there. Are any of them strong enough for breakout hits? Well, actually not really and i think this is a case in point yeah um i'm gonna disagree with some of that quite a lot of that actually i'm afraid again um it's all it's all gone to pot at the end of this one hasn't it um now albums are there to pick up the big hits um i'm very glad as a lover of music in general and someone who presents chart shows that these albums existed to pick up the lesser hits because otherwise they wouldn't have been on cd at all unless you owned the cd single obviously um and that's a good thing for having a few here. Okay, there's quite a few non-top 40 hits on both of these. But this one got to number 28. It was their only hit. I think it deserved to do a bit better. There was plenty of similar stuff. What did we call it? Conscious rap before. Um, like Arrested Development and such like that was doing quite well. Um, I mean, admittedly, this track is about domestic violence, which is going to be a hard sell um, on the radio, I guess. We played it lots at URN. There was a lot of these tracks that were big URN favourites that's for sure um, they're called Marxman because they were Marxists uh, there aren't many rap groups who are Marxists and Irish Republicans but apparently they were that probably didn't help their cause either although there's none, n- 
none of that on in the vocals of this track or the lyrics um, you wouldn't really know that I really love this I loved it at the time uh, I love it now there's just something about it um, it's deceptively laid back for a song about something that is actually got a very important message and I love the chorus and for that reason I'm very very happy to hear it again well I shall probably have to go back and listen to it more carefully then and not get distracted by Leeds managers. Yes, do that. Um, yes, I think I will. I shall be. I, sh- I shall take my uh, not listen to it carefully enough medicine <laughs> and go and do that properly. Well, we've reached the end of our two CDs, so now it just remains for us to pick uh, a couple of tracks yeah. that we have enjoyed the most. And if we go back to our first disc. Mega Dance. I've got a fairly easy choice on this one, I have to say. Have you made up your mind? I'm torn between two, so I'm going to wait until you've decided, and then I might pick the other one, because I think I know what it's going to be. Okay, okay. Well, it would be churlish not to pick St Etienne. So you're in a bad way. A very easy one for me. Although I suspect I know which one you're going for, and that probably would have been my second choice. Let's see if I'm right. Well, yes, I was thinking of Saint Etienne. That was one of them. So, on that basis, given that it's the best dance track on the album, I agree Saint Etienne's probably the best track, full stop, on the album. I'm going to go for Crystal Clear by The Grid. Is that the one you thought I was going to pick? Oh, well, that was that was my third choice. I'm, I feel honourable mention should go to The Prodigy. I oh, yes, of be, course. That would have yeah. been my... That would have been my other one, Um, and it's only because Netienne are such great personal London Underground mates that I'm picking their track. Megadance 2, then. This one is easier. There's not so many fantastic tracks that we haven't already talked about, because when we pick these tracks, if we've already talked about them previously, we just ignore those for the purposes of our favourites. I'm going to go for Marksman here. I mean, I've already said how much I love it, so I'm going to go for that. I think in light of how much you uh, said you enjoyed it, a fine choice. I found this a lot, lot trickier. There are some tracks that we've already covered that I like. However, of the ones left... I'm going to really annoy you by picking Apache Indian. Yeah. Okay, well, that's, you know, we we did both stick up vehemently for our individual favourites at the back end of that album review, so I think that's um, more than fair. So, yeah, we're done for this uh, occasional table. We'll, we'll pop it back under the main desk for a little while. Yes, and everything you could possibly want in terms of oblong desk and any occasional bits around the edge can be found at our website, which is oblongdesk.podbean.com. Uh, you can also message us if you have anything that you'd like to talk about, either on this album or any of the other ones. And the address to do that is at the Oblong Desk, which will find us on both Facebook and Twitter. Marvellous. So that's it for this edition, and we will speak to you about an entirely different album, or two, possibly, very soon. Oblong Desk's Occasional Table was written and presented by Noakes and John Tyndall with original music by John. Subscribe to the podcast by clicking the subscribe button on your app right now. And why not follow us at our website, oblongdesk.podbean.com, or on social media, at The Oblong Desk. Oblong Desk.